God is not a God of disorder or confusion, but is the God of peace. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning stars rise in your hearts. You are tuning into the Tribe of Christians podcast with host Brandon Dawson, the chief sinner, bringing you a peace of mind, clarity, insight, and perspective to the world you live in by the word of God, featuring the latest updates on end time prophecy news. Don't, Don't forget, forget to subscribe to the, to the Tribe of, of Christians, Christians broadcast, broadcast either, either on Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Facebook, or YouTube at tribeofchristians.com. Without further ado, here is your host and teacher, The Chief Sinner. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Tribe of Christians podcast. I'm your host, the Chief Sinner. I'm going to share with you my personal testimony and how God brought me from Texas to New York City, from divorce to remarried, from hopelessness to giving me a future and a hope. I'm going to share my story with you and how Christ changed my life through my wife and the circumstances in which I faced. Now, some of you might be going through some really very difficult and depressing things right now in your life, and you might feel like that you have no future, that there's no hope, and you're wondering, where in the world is God? You might feel like your life is completely shattered and broken beyond any kind of recovery, beyond fixing or salvation. And rather, you're facing divorce or homelessness, joblessness, rejection, what Whatever the case or situation is that you are facing, regardless of your past, regardless of what you have done, regardless of what you're going through and what you're looking at, there is hope. There is freedom. There is deliverance. God's signs are all around you, everywhere. You have to be, you just have to be willing to listen to them and know how to recognize them. Now, you may have messed your life up really bad, and I mean really bad, and things might look pretty rough at the moment, but the Word does tell us that those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I believe that that verse, that word saved, applies to both the spiritually and physically, okay? I believe salvation and deliverance is both for your soul and your physical life right here on earth. Jesus tells us, Matthew 18, 18, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth, it will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on the earth, it will be loosed in heaven. And there are perfect examples of this everywhere in the Bible. And one of my favorite examples of this is in Exodus 17, when the Israelites are in this fierce battle. And whenever Moses' arms were raised up, the Israelites won. And when Moses' arms were lowered, they will lose the battle. So they had to hold his arms up so that they would win the battle. And it's this perfect vision, this perfect uh, example of what life looks like here on earth. When we're fighting spiritually, it takes place physically. So whenever you're going through something, when you surrender that sin and you surrender your circumstances to God and you bind it here on earth, it gets bound in heaven according to Jesus' words. 
And whenever you release that obedience to God, you walk in obedience, you repent from the sin, and you're walking in faith, then it's released, that faith and that power of God, God's de- victory, His deliverance gets released in your life. So whatever the case is right now, whatever you're facing, you have to bind it up. You have to bind it up in the name of Jesus. You have to repent, renounce it. You have to turn away from it. And you have to walk in faith and obedience in Christ. And I promise you, no matter how far away you are, no matter what it is, God will release that victory in your life and in your situation. And it's important to note here that although we might be praying for answers and victory and all these different things, whatever situations that you are facing, it's important to note that not every situation is meant to be. Not everything is ordained and destined by God because some things all right, are not meant to be and some things came from sin. They came out of disobedience. And so, therefore, it's true that not every single marriage is from God. Not every person is from God. And therefore, some things, because of that very reason, end up failing inevitably. But however, you know, because they fail, because we rather we rushed into that situation or uh, whatever reason. And then so there's things there that prevent, you know, that have moved us off course. And so it's going to fail. But I do believe that there are indeed some situations where God does ordain that marriage and God does bless that situation, and he heals it. And I've seen incredible things happen that way. So I often say that what is meant to be will be, and what isn't meant to be won't be. And it's like a motto, and I've lived by that motto ever since, and it's held true. And that might sound careless, but that's the way I look at every situation. You know, I look at it in through a perspective that if God has called me to it, then he's going to call me through it. But if it's not meant to be, the doors are going to close. It's not going to work. God's will does not work like an uphill battle, okay? God's not the author of of confusion. The Word tells us He's the author of peace. And the Word tells us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that He makes the paths straight for us. Not that you aren't going to face resistance when you're on that path, because you will, but that resistance looks much different than going up a uphill battle on a crooked path. When something is ordained by God, it will be provided by God. And he isn't always going to put the cake right in front of you on the counter. You've heard it said before that sometimes God doesn't give you the cake, but he'll give you all of the ingredients to bake and make that cake. But there are times where God does give you the cake. So I want to share my testimony my personal story, my personal testimony and my experiences and what I went through to give you hope in your current situation. Everything I'm going to tell you is 100% true. And if God did it for me, he most certainly can do it for you. And that's what faith is about. That's what it's all about. Hearing the word of God, whether through his word or through testimony, and then acting upon that very word. At 28 years old in 2014, I found myself believing that my life was completely over, that I had reached the very end of my journey, and I ended up completely homeless and alone. I felt that I had screwed up my life too far and broke it too bad for beyond repair, beyond recovery. I had experienced my second divorce 
you know, it's bad enough going through one, but it, I felt that it was even worse going through it again. And I didn't have a car, and therefore I ended up losing my job because I had no way to get to work. And I remember growing up wanting to be a preacher. In high school, I was a youth leader and I was a worship leader for my youth group, so I knew the Lord. But I didn't have the finances to go to a nice Bible college. And honestly, at that age, at 18 or 19 years old, I was afraid of being out on my own. So I ended up going into the Army at about 19 years old, shortly after I graduated high school. And spent a total of eight years in the in the military. Some of that was through active duty, and a big part of that was through the Army National Guard, through the reserves. And I was awarded a grant through the National Guard that as long as I was serving, that they would pay for my college. So I went to college online at Liberty University, and I studied theology and criminal justice. I was preparing to be a preacher and uh, to follow my dreams and hopes and the uh, music ministry while serving in law enforcement. So while I was attending drill on the weekends, I was in school and I was building a career in law enforcement and was serving as a corrections officer in Texas when I ended up going through a severe divorce. And then just like that, overnight, my entire career that I had been working so hard for got thrown away. And I ended up having to drop out of college my car had broke down. I didn't have a car anymore. Therefore, I couldn't even keep up with my job at the prison. I had to resign. And then one thing led to the next, and I quickly ended up homeless. And then after my divorce, I didn't know who to trust, and I was afraid of everybody, including my own family. There were so many people, uh, mainly my ex-wife, who was very uh, manipulative and lied to the courts, and I was terrified at what she would do to me. So I ended up moving from city to city in search for a new future, and I ended up in a faith-based shelter in Amberville, Texas, where I lived there in the shelter for about six months. And I met some of the most inspiring people in my life, and many of them were going through some of these things that were far worse than what I was experiencing. So that kind of gave me hope. It gave me um, a little bit of inspiration. And from there, from this shelter, I ended up landing at a job where I was working as an armed security guard for a food distribution warehouse for like nine fifty an hour. Nine fifty an hour. That was tough. And I ended up moving into this very rundown, just um, broken camper out of the middle of nowhere. And that was very humbling, let me tell you. I never had to live in anything like that. And bad, you know, it was hard enough as it was having to go into a shelter, but uh, living in this camper, it was very humbling. And a coworker would pick me up every single day from my camper and would drive me to work and then would drive me home. And I made just enough money to pay my rent. So I went from having like everything, having a career. I had a three-bedroom lake house. I had uh, a car, all this stuff, down to being homeless, having no car, having to work for nine fifty an hour, um, having to rely on other people. It was very humbling. And I lived like this for like four or five months. And the very worst thing about living out there, outside of town, way out there, away from everything, was that I didn't know anybody. And the closest thing that I have anywhere near me was a family dollar. So I would make a two- to three-mile walk to this family dollar just to get Roman noodles and some soups. 
so I was able to eat and live, and that's how I lived. And I think at one point my weight had actually gotten down to about 130 pounds. And then after a while, I had made a couple of friends who were affiliated with a church out there, and they started to invite me to their weekly men's group meeting. And they had this chair that they would use, and I just thought this was so cool. It's stuck with me ever since. And when it came time for prayer in our men's meeting, that they would sit this person down in the chair, and everyone else would lay their hands upon them, and they would pray for them. And I remember one of these guys was going through this divorce, a difficult divorce, separation from his wife, and they were just waiting. Actually, I think they were just waiting for the judge to sign off on the papers that they were already living in separate places and were even seeing different people. And they were, you know, it was a done deal. And then the guy said that, you know, he felt that the Lord wanted him to go back to his wife and fix his marriage. So this guy sat in this chair and he asked for prayer for the men to pray for him and his wife that God would heal and fix their marriage. So a couple of weeks had went by. It might have been a month. I'm not sure. I just know that a few, a little bit of time had gone by and this guy came back and he shared this testimony from that prayer that we had witnessed that God had heard and answered this prayer. And God ended up putting him and his wife back together. He saved their marriage, and it did like a 180, a 360. Man, it was so cool to see. And that inspired me tremendously. And I ended up even writing a complete song about it. So I was so inspired by this, by witnessing God answer this prayer and everything by the faith of these men that I asked these men to pray for me. I wanted to have the chance again. I wanted to have another chance to get back into music for God to heal my life, to lead me back into ministry. And I loved singing. I loved leading worship. And I had seen so many lives changed through music, including my own life. And to this day, I still get people that message me where my music had impacted the life. So the guys sat me down in the chair. They put their hands on me and they prayed. Now, I remember that that event was on a Monday, and that following Sunday, um, I ended up going to church and hearing a sermon preached on Malachi 3.10 about faith and offering. And the pastor gave his church the challenge to believe in God, that God is a rewarder of faith, and he challenged his church to tithe. And he said that if God did not uphold to his promises, according to Malachi 3.10, that they could tie for 90 days, and after that 90 days, if they did not see the floodgates of heaven open up in their life, then the church would refund, fully refund their tithes back to them. And I was like, wow. So I was completely inspired by this verse. You know, I had never really been a big tither until this moment happened. So I accepted the tithe challenge, and I tied the full 10% of my income for 90 days for three months. I was making 9.50 an hour, which came out to somewhere around 3.50 a week. So I tied $70 every 2 weeks or every other week for 3 months straight. And you know, at the time I didn't even realize the significance of that number, the significance of the number 70, and I honestly I had no idea about anything that had to do with prophecy or prophetic patterns. I didn't know anything about biblical symbols and stuff like that. But 
this, let me tell you, this was the very start of it. And oh man, did it not open up the floodgates, let me tell you. And it was from that very moment on that God began to give me wisdom and revelation and insight. He began to bless my vision. He began to bless my sight and my mind. And I didn't know it at the time, at that very moment. But man, looking back at it now, that was the very beginning of it all. 70 is a divine number. Historically, in the Bible, 70 has represented a generation. It also represents a completion of a cycle or a sentencing. 70 was the first set of sevens that God had sentenced Israel into captivity under the Babylonian Empire, which you can read about in the book of Daniel. I also has taught, I've taught about that in the prophetic timeline in a uh, earlier podcast you can check out. So anyways, I something extraordinary started to happen to me at that moment. And, and then one of the guys bought me a guitar and he brought it to me and he said that the Lord led him to buy me a guitar. He had found it in a pawn shop and bought it for me. And then many other blessings, one right after the next, started to open up for me. And it was incredible. So let alone, I did not have to call up the church to ask for a refund. I actually sent them an email about my testimony that it was true. That God had indeed, without a doubt, opened up the floodgates for me. So I started gaining sight and vision and these spiritual gifts, and I was suddenly able to understand and see spiritual patterns and themes everywhere, all around me. It's kind of like the movie The Matrix, but instead of The Matrix, I was seeing um, God's hand through faith in all these different aspects and patterns and stuff like that. And I was able to connect dots and see God's hand moving in all kinds of ways that most people can't even see or understand. And then at that moment, I was able to see God's move in my own life just like that. And I started to remember all of these significant events, all these incredible pieces that God had planted in my life all along the path and on the journey. And I began to realize that God was there all along. And over the past few months, I was able to put together a map and I was able to see it. And it was so incredible. I had gotten to this faith-based homeless shelter in Amarillo, Texas in October of 2014. And it was that month where the president, the, the president of the board of this homeless shelter had a midday service on a Wednesday. I don't remember the exact date, but I remember it was October and it was, I believe it might've been the week of Halloween. And it was on that Wednesday. And this president of the shelter has shared a dream that she had. She dreamt that she saw this man crossing a bridge. She said that this man was going to go through sorrow, a lot of sorrow, but that there was a much greater purpose for it all. But he had to cross this bridge. So in January 2015, about six months after that, I had met my wife Tiffany online through a divorce support group on Facebook and we had become friends. Now, I would have never imagined, I would have never guessed that God was going to marry us. I, the thought never crossed my mind. I just never thought of it. I had believed that my life was over. I believed that where I was was where I was going to be for the rest of my life. And I had sworn to never marry again. 
And let alone, I never, ever would have thought that God would have been calling me to New York City. I never would have thought of it. But, you know, looking back on things now, if I look back and I think about it, you know, New York City has always been present throughout my entire life. I have had hundreds of connections to New York City my whole life, and I never even knew it. I never realized it until the moment came where God revealed it to me. So anyways, one day I'm at work and my job in Embraer was across the street from the airport and I started to notice these planes taking off and landing. And it seemed that every single day, every moment at that time, I was being drawn to these airplanes. And interestingly, my my grandfather was a pilot in the army after his special forces tour. He became a pilot and my mother and my stepfather, they became pilots in my life. So, you know, I started to notice that theme in my life with airports and pilots and airplanes and stuff. And then I started to see the connection to Tiffany. And at the time, Tiffany was working at the airport at JFK. And at first, I thought it was kind of a strange connection, a coincidence. But then I started to learn that through this process, there are no such things as coincidence. No coincidences. But everything is by divine plan and orchestration through God's hand. Now, at that time, a good friend of mine had called me up and he said that I believe God has a word for you. He wants to open up your Bible, and he wants you to wait for it to anticipate that word. So I believed him. I believed that. And so when I got home, I immediately opened up my Bible, and I read, and I prayed, and I waited for that revelation to come. And then the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, led me to two passages in the Scripture where he revealed this word to me. Okay, The two passages were, 1 Corinthians 7.14 and Matthew 23.17. Now these two two words, the first one, 1 Corinthians 7.14, which says, For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Okay, and then the second word, Matthew 23.17, which reads uh, that... Um, you fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing, but anyone who swears on the gift on that altar is bound by that oath. Which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Now, those things, those passages made absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. I was like, what in the world? None. And then the Spirit started to give me the revelation about those two sections of Scripture. And that these very verses, uh, my revelation was that first, that God was going to give me a wife. And I was like, what? You know, I had just went through a divorce. I was like, there is no way in the world God is going to get me to go through again. There's no way I am ever getting married again. And, uh, you know, behold. <laughs> and the second thing about that verse, you know, Matthew 23, God was showing me that he was going to move me in the position to which my calling and anointing, my gift uh, would come through my marriage. Just like how in the temple, you know, the items, the, these items weren't holy or sacred, but the God's presence was holy and sacred. So therefore, it's called dispositional sanctification, dispositional holiness, where um, 
the item would be placed on the altar, and because God's holiness, His presence, it would bless the item. The item would then become would, would be holy. The item itself wasn't holy, but when it was on the altar, it became holy. So that I took that as a revelation and as a word that my life, when it became positioned in such a way where God's presence was, then my life was going to be moved, and then it was going to be put into calling, put into order. And then I was going to receive my calling and purposes and all that stuff. So I was like puzzled. I was completely like very strange to me. And at this point, you know, I started over time. I've learned through this not to make any sense out of anything. You can't sit there and try to make sense out of certain words. But you just have to simply believe and receive it and then be open to the interpretation for when it does come to pass. When God gives you a word there's nothing you can do about it. It's going to happen. It's going to come across. And um, so you just have to go along with the path. So it was very interesting to see how specific that this word got. And not only the specifics, but also the order of this word, the timeline. It was literally word for word. It was uh, in order. And my wife at the time, at this time, was not a believer. She wasn't a Christian. And I wasn't even interested in her in that way because of that very fact, that very purpose, because the Bible says not to be unequally yoked. So, however, you know, my faith played a very big part in her testimony and coming to the Lord. So, um, just as the verse says, just as that verse had said that the believing spouse sanctifies the unbelieving spouse. So, in other words, you know, I believe God's perception of, his view of marriage is very different than the way uh, from our perspective. Okay, when God sees you, okay, when God creates you when you're born, God sees your entire life from the moment before you're even conceived. And when God sees your life, he sees your entire plan, your entire destiny, your entire purpose, and he doesn't just see you, but he also sees your spouse at the same time because the two are one. So although you may not necessarily be legally binded or binded to your wife just yet, God sees the both of you at the same time and your spouse, and he will sanctify that unity. So faith has to be present somewhere, all right? Faith has to be present in at least one person. And from what I experienced, what we went through, yes, both people have to come to the knowledge and the acceptance of the Lord. Now, just because one person doesn't necessarily, just because one person knows the Lord, it doesn't mean that the other person is automatically saved. But, however, what this means is that because one person does believe in the Lord, because they do have faith in the Lord, because your marriage is one, therefore, God has the mercy on your spouse and gives them the revelation of grace through Christ because of you. So that's the way I see it. So anyways, so from that verse, from these verses and these passages, this word that God had given me back in October of 2014, this was uh, long before I even knew Tiffany, that God was going to give me another wife, another marriage, and perhaps that that person didn't know him yet. And then secondly, that God was going to, through that marriage, he was going to move me, and move me into the position where he wanted me to be at, where the purpose and the calling was going to be at. This is called, like I said earlier, dispositional sanctification, meaning that an object's sanctification and position 
to the altar of God. Now, the item or the person in itself is not holy, but God is holy. And when the item or the person is placed in God's presence and being used according to God's will, then it is sanctified and is holy. So I knew that God was going to move me. He's going to uh, move me, give me a marriage, a wife, and position us in a place to where our life would become sanctified by his presence and that we would be used and be blessed with the giftings, anointings, and the callings of the Spirit. And sure enough, you know, God moved me to New York City. And sure enough, we ended up, we got married. And God today is doing profound and incredible things through my wife and I. So after I started to see these themes and these patterns and these symbols, I started getting the revelations about all these things. I started to put them together. I started to connect the dots. And then I realized and I remembered the dream that this woman had shared about how she saw a man on this bridge. And then I realized that the bridge was the Brooklyn Bridge in New York City. God gave me the revelation. So I started to see through Tiffany, through my connection with Tiffany, and I started to believe that I was being called to New York City and to be with Tiffany. Now, interestingly, Tiffany, just like that word was given to me, did not know the Lord yet, and her life did not have any kind of resemblance of Christ. But I had the faith to believe that God was going to reach her. And sure enough, one week, one week before I came to New York City, this was uh, three months after I had bought my airplane ticket to New York City. She attended an Easter play with her mother and ended up getting the revelation about God's grace through Jesus. And she went down the altar and prayed and prayed the prayer to accept Christ into her life. And you know, at the time, at the moment, when you're going through stuff and God's giving you this word, right? It may not look like much. It may not seem like much. And outwardly, it might be hidden and you can't tell if God is even working. And, you know, and everything might be falling apart around you. But you have to put your faith in the word. You have to be obedient. You have to trust Christ. You have to trust God. And although I had all of the evidence of this calling, and all of the pieces were there. I still had no way of knowing where I was going to live, how I was going to live, how I was even going to be able to eat, and let alone how things would literally work out for Tiffany and I. But because of these words, because of this faith that I had in God, because of the witnesses that God was giving me, I believed according to the word that was given to me, and I followed it. I became obedient to it. And it's been astonishing, let me tell you, because I literally got to witness an incredible transfer, transformation of my wife's life right in front of my own eyes. That's never happened. I never got to witness such a transformation before. Everything about her life changed, and she lost interest in all of the worldly things, and she started pursuing godliness all by the Spirit of the Lord. And luckily, I got to have the privilege um, of witnessing this. And because I had knowledge about Scripture, I was able to help and teach her all the different things about the Word and the Scripture and about the Lord. So I was able to put everything together and to see all of the patterns, the themes, the symbols. And I took this step in faith and I moved to New York City. Tiffany and I, we ended up uh, being led to a church here in our community 
which we got engaged six months later after I arrived in New York City, April of 2015. And then we got engaged September of 2015, which was about six months after that. And then five months after that, we ended up getting married we got to witness some of the most incredible miracles. I got to see some of the most profound things uh, for God to move and do in my life that I have ever heard of or seen in my entire life. We witnessed God supernaturally heal my wife. If any of you have seen her testimony, the video is posted right there on our Facebook page. It's posted on our website. It's also in the uh, podcast called Testimony Tuesday, she has a rare brain condition called hydrocephalus, which is fluids on the brain. And she has had multiple surgeries throughout her entire life in which one of those surgeries actually killed her. She was dead for 45 minutes until they were able to revive her. She's had blood infections. She suffered from seizures. She had lupus and all kinds of this other stuff. And we got to literally witness the Lord physically and spiritually heal her and it was absolutely astonishing and we got this cool video of my wife getting baptized and sharing her story and man it's just been incredible and now we've got an apartment we were both we were able to buy a car this past summer and one thing after another we've been blessed with and God has restored all these different things in our lives through our faith we got to witness my wife's sisters come to the Lord. We also got to witness the Lord do incredible miracles in her family with her mother. And I have also personally witnessed my own mother give her life to Jesus. A devout Mormon. She was raised in a very devout Mormon family. And now she goes to a non-denominational church. She's given her life to Jesus. She's renounced Mormonism. And it's just been incredibly miraculous things that we have been witnessing in our family and the lives around us just because of our faith. Now, we got to witness some incredible miracles being done right here in our own community as well with our church. Our community was struck by disaster in 2012 from Hurricane Sandy. Now, I wasn't living here at the moment, but the church here in this community was completely destroyed and wiped out. And now they're in this incredible process of rebuilding a new church like 10 times bigger than the old one. And we've witnessed a completely a complete revival in this community. Now, it's not 100% there yet, but it's happening through one person at a time. God is doing incredible things right in front of our eyes, right in this community and in our own families. And this past year, even this past year alone in 2017, I was ordained by the United, United Christian Faith Ministries. And the Lord has led me and my wife to establish the tribe of Christians and efforts to help inspire uh, Christians to bring unity and encouragement among Christians and churches around the world. And the Lord is still giving me visions of future things that he's going to do and accomplish in the future with all this stuff. And, you know, through everything that I have experienced, everything that I've gone through, the most profound thing above all the revelations and stuff, the greatest thing that I have discovered is love. Love was my most greatest struggle. I never knew what love was. And although I was raised as a Christian, and although I did understand theology and biblical stuff to a point, I never really knew 
truly what love was for myself. I never experienced it. I never felt loved my entire life. My father was distant from me. My mother was distant from me. I grew up feeling hated and rejected. I was terrified of being alone. And all I knew and experienced was abandonment. Everyone whom was close to me had at some point passed me off to somebody else or had left me. But it was through my wife that God showed me his deep and unconditional eternal love for me. You know, when I was living, I was living in this camper in Amarillo, this run-down old camper that was falling apart. And at times I would go weeks of not being able to eat because I didn't have a car, and I didn't have money, and I didn't have a way to get out and buy food. And I was so ashamed. I was so embarrassed of myself for living in poverty. And my job... And my job had this complimentary cookie jar. So every day before the end of my shift, I would go get a handful of cookies and I would take them home with me. And that's what I would eat. And sometimes that's how I would survive for weeks. And one day my wife, before you know, before she became my wife, she had found out about it. So she ordered a pizza and she had it delivered to me. And when I got it, I broke down in tears. I cried. I just completely broke down because that was the most nicest thing that anyone had done for me. She made a promise to me that she would never let me go hungry again. And I felt God's presence through her. And she wasn't even a Christian yet. She wasn't even a believer. And yet, here God was using her. And I felt his presence through her just because she had a pizza delivered to me. And my wife upheld that promise. She's never abandoned that promise since that day. When I got to New York City, I was going to stay in a shelter, but my wife wouldn't let me do that. She ended up renting a room for us out of this rooming house, this rooming hotel not too far from where we live now. And she said that she could not leave me. She couldn't abandon me, that it felt wrong for her to do that after everything that I had been through. So she stayed with me. And the incredible thing is, is that my wife had experienced abandonment herself. Her father, she never knew her father. He abandoned her at a young age when she was a baby. And her ex-husband abandoned her and left her for another person. So it was astonishing to me how my wife was able to do something like this, despite everything that she had been through. And she never left me, never did, through everything. And there were these nights that were so terrifying to me. And let me tell you, it was absolutely horrific. These nights where we had to stay in this rooming hotel, it was like right out of the scene of a of a haunting or something. And I, I really believe that the devil was in that place tormenting people. There were satanic rituals happening in that place. There were uh, demonic people and there were uh, drug dealers and all this stuff happening in this hotel. And I would have these terrifying nightmares and these scary things would happen to us. And we would go, we had to go get holy water from uh, the Catholic Church and we would use that to mop the floors with it. And we would put the holy water on our walls, on the pipes and on the windows. And we would literally hang crosses and rosaries from the ceilings and from pipes. We couldn't even sleep during the day because it was just too terrifying to fall asleep at night in the dark. But despite all the horrifying things that we went through, my wife never left me. 
She had every reason to not be there. She didn't have to be there, but she stayed through it all. And she endured everything with me and stayed with me through it all. Most people would have left. They would have bolted out the door after the first night. But my wife stuck through it all, and she stuck to that promise that she would never leave. And sure enough, here we are, almost four years later, strongly in love, married. And we made through so much. We've made it through a lot of things. And I think our testimony and our story tells an incredible message about God's faithfulness and His love. And it's, it was so hard. It was really hard to understand it all at first. And for the longest time, we were judged by our church, and it was really difficult. It seemed that although God was with us, and we were experiencing some of the most incredible manifestations of God's presence, no one really seemed to get it but us. No one really seemed to understand our relationship and what God was doing and what he was communicating. And I remember having this meeting with our pastor <laughs> when I first moved here. And God was giving us these words to share to our church. And yet they weren't being received by them because everyone was looking at the outside appearance and our circumstances. That we were living in sin when in reality our relationship was a literal Miracle from God's faithfulness and His love. Well, we made it through, man, and we got married February 26, 2016, and God has remained with us since the very beginning, and we have seen God do incredible, incredible things through our marriage and our relationship and so many lives around us. No one can tell you what God is going to do or not going to do in your life. No one, don't let anybody tell you that God can't do this or that God can't do that because of their perception, because they don't understand. And most importantly, don't let your past define you or influence you to doubt God's love is real. His faithfulness is so true. Even when everyone else may have failed you, God still loves you. Even when you're heading in the wrong direction, God's love is always working to reach us. He is always speaking to us. Always. And I believe it was my faith back in Amarillo, Texas, that was willing to listen to God, willing to trust God, willing to be obedient to God that completely changed my direction and allowed me to be blessed by God. It wasn't until I stopped and listened to what God had to say that really changed my life. And to this day, I'm so thankful that I had the faith to tithe, that I had the faith to prayer, to pray, and that I had the faith to read his word, that I had the faith to receive the revelations that I got and all of the understandings. And if that's you right now, if you're in a place where you feel like your life is over, that you're screwed up too bad and too far beyond reconciliation, if you're in a place desperate for hope, all you need is faith. That's it. Even if it's the most smallest amount of faith, like Jesus says, the faith the size of a mustard seed, that's all it takes to move mountains and to get on track. My faith started through a prayer, through a prayer that took place in a small men's group meeting. God moves in steps. He says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. That was found right there in that Malachi chapter 3 section. One step at a time. And God can completely move you where you need to be. But you have to be willing to trust Him. You have to be willing to be open to listen to Him. Now, some things may seem so far and outrageous to be true. 
But Jesus also said that all things are possible with God. At first, I didn't believe that God wanted to give me another wife. At first, I didn't believe that God was going to move me into a new place of position and influence. At first, I didn't believe that until I started to open my eyes up and see all of these signs that were surrounding me. That woman who prophesied about me being on the bridge. The man who called and told me that God had a word for me. The connection between the airports and the airplanes. Man, it was so overwhelming when I finally realized that God really did love me and that His word was so true, every single bit of it. So maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're wondering if God's love is real, if your past can be reconciled, if your life can have new meaning, a new hope, a new purpose or mission. All you have to do is take that first step. That first step is faith through prayer. Call somebody up right now and have them pray with you. Go to a local church and ask for prayer. That's the very first step is faith. And watch God open the doors for you. Watch Him open your eyes and your ears. Watch Him show you all the connections around you. And He will do it if you will allow Him to. Something as simple as starting with a prayer can be the door that opens up the path for you like it did for me. In that men's group four years ago, that's where it started for me. In a matter of three months, my entire life changed completely. Just three months, how quickly God responds to your situation depending on how quickly you are willing to repent, how quickly you're willing to learn and to grow in your situation. It starts with faith. It starts with listening. Then it starts with prayer. Then it starts with putting your faith into action like tithing, like obedience, following one step after the next. And then before you know it, man, you're walking with God. He's walking with you and you're seeing miracles all around you. Never underestimate the power of that first step. Never underestimate the power of that first prayer. And if that's you right now, if you're in that position right now, I want you to pray with me right now, word for word. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for sending your son Jesus on the cross to die for my sins. Thank you for your word and thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us the faith to believe and to act upon your word. Lord, I pray right now in the power of your name, in the name of Jesus, in the power of your Holy Spirit, and in the power of your word, and the power of our witness and testimony, that, Lord, that you may prosper your word in the lives of those listening right now, and in my life, and in the lives around me, that you move in our lives in such a way that will lead us closer to you. Father, I pray for divine appointments. I pray for divine relationships, for divine healing and direction. I pray for your guidance and comfort for all of your people. Open their eyes and their ears. Open our minds and our hearts to receive faith from you and to recognize all the signs around them just as you did for me. I pray for deliverance and answered prayers for jobs and finances, for marriages and relationships, O Lord. In your Son, Jesus' name that I pray. Now you can find more great teachings just like this one on our website at tribeofchristians.com and also on Facebook. You can also find us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe this podcast to help spread the word and the good news about Jesus. This concludes this episode's podcast. 
This is the Chief Sinner with the Tribe of Christians, and may God continue to bless you and always be with you.